Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. You're listening to the CWR Talk Network, America's voice for causes, issues, and life empowerment. This is the CWR Talk Network, hashtag one million strong. You're listening to Making a Difference About Domestic Violence and Abuse with host Shereen Rice on the CWR Talk Network. This is Shereen from the (laughs) Making a Difference About Domestic Violence show, and right now I have Leslie on the line. Let's let's talk about, uh, let me first share that we're going to be having uh, Lisa Leon. She's a mental health specialist in St. George, Utah tonight. She's going to talk about a few things on how to uh, help ourselves through trauma and healing uh, after abuse. Um, but first, yes. because our show has ended so quickly, I want to talk to you, Leslie, and I want you to share all the things um, that you uh, did not get to share last time. Can you please do that with us now? I wanted you to talk about the correction about what someone said about yes. you. Um, yeah, somebody, when... I had somebody call in and ask if I was able to see my grandchildren. And back in October, I had stated that someone had said I needed psychological help and that someone was um, the murderer's father. And he's the one that beat his son. And I've been going through counseling and I'm actually, I have actually been counseling other people and it was almost kind of laughable. Yeah. Don't you think that healing when you're helping other people? I mean, I, I really, I, I think Very that's much awesome. So. I mean, what I've gone through with my daughter has, has helped me help other people because I don't know what else to do but reach out and help others who've been through very similar circumstance. And um, I've last Two weeks ago, we were talking about the phrase gaslighting, and, and that's that's kind of a new phrase, and a lot of people don't understand what that is, and I wanted to kind of explain, if I can, what the term gaslighting means. And Absolutely. when you hear somebody that says they're gaslighted, it, it's, it's a form of manipulation, and they seek to uh, sow seeds of doubt and confusion in the mind of the victim, and it makes them not trust the people that they actually do trust. And they target the people that are actually trying to help them and make them think that those people are not actually there to help them. 
And that's what gaslighting is about. You know, they make, they alienate them and they isolate them and make them think the people that are actually out there to help them are the ones that are targeting them to hurt them. And this is what victims go through so very often. Yes. It's not only that. It even makes Um, them, it makes them question their own sanity. Right. And that's exactly true. And there's a movie out called Gaslight, and that's actually where that name comes from. Um, but, you know, when you think you saw something, they tell you you didn't see it. When you heard something, they tell you you're crazy, you didn't hear that, and right. all sorts of things. Yeah. It actually makes somebody feel like they're going crazy, and it makes them question their own sanity. Right. Right. And you don't trust anyone. Um as a victim of abuse, I didn't talk to any of my best friends out of shame and fear, and uh, I can't even describe all the adjectives. And I only yeah. reached out to one friend um, because I don't know why. I've just known her for most of my life, and so I, I didn't have anybody else. Because they're usually the ones you can trust or the ones that have known you prior to the relationship. And one another thing, a warning sign, another huge warning sign I'd like to throw out there is a lot of abusers, you know, if a victim going through domestic abuse, what they're going to want to do is they're going to want to seek marital counseling or relationship counseling. <clears throat> and a lot of times the abusers will go along with it so that way they can gain power and knowledge and be able to manipulate the victim's in that area, they they can say, well, I went through counseling, and they said that I'm okay, and I can do this, and I can do that, and and it heightens their control over the victim. So that's another area right. where people really need to be careful. Yes, and you know what? You did say that you were going to share your closing statements with us as well. Um, yes, definitely. Let me get those out real quick. Um my what happened was my my victim impact statement was um oh, I don't have it right here with me let me let me pull it out just one moment. Do you have any other questions for me um you know Mom. i i I don't um I thought your interview last week was absolutely amazing and very insightful um I've had a lot of great reviews, and people really enjoyed it actually. Uh, not enjoyed uh, that what had happened, but the outcome. Well, good. I'm glad that they did. And um, my victim impact statement, I I was hoping to read. And another thing I would like to add is, you know, if there's anybody out there who is going through questioning if they're going through abuse, you know, if you've been talked to and degraded. Or, or made you feel like you're less of a person. You know, if you've been told that you're nothing, if you've been told that you don't count and that people don't love you, that is a form of domestic violence. You don't have to be punched in the face. You don't have to be hit on. Emotional abuse is just as real as physical abuse, and sometimes it can be even more scarring. And, and I want everybody out there to know that being a victim of domestic violence 
sometimes you don't have physical bruises. Sometimes you have the emotional bruises that can go much deeper, that don't heal as quickly as as a physical bruise. And I'm not discounting anybody because my daughter, above all all people, my daughter had so many bruises on her, her petite little frame, it just kills my heart. But there are people out there that have suffered emotional abuse for many, many years, and they feel like they have nowhere to turn. But you do have somewhere to turn because there are people that care about you, and you are worth something. Yes. And um, I want to read my victim impact statement. I do have it pulled up now. And Okay, thank you. Alicia's, Alicia's murderer's name was Daniel. And I, I said to him, and I had a hard time with it because the court didn't make him face me. He had his back turned to me the whole time, and he was talking to his attorney probably half of the time that I was reading this to him. Uh, anyway, it says, Daniel, I don't hate you. I can't hate you. This is not what God will want for anyone. When you murdered my Alicia, you didn't just take one life. You shattered every individual that that was connected to my precious daughter. Hating you will not bring back my angel, but it will just fester like a cancer, and I refuse for you to have that kind of power over my life. I have no other choice but to forgive you and let God truly work in your heart, but you need to admit to God for all the things you did to Alicia and honestly be sorry for everything that you subjected her to, and that is the only way that God can hear your prayers and help you. As each night falls, I die a little more each day, and I can't help but wonder what my precious Lucy would have been like if she had been given the gift of a hope and a future. You were incredibly blessed with a true child of God who loved life, and you stole her from Dylan, Emily, and Alyssa, the children she had always dreamed of having. All she wanted in life was to be the amazing mother of God, mother that God called her to be, but you took that from her and destroyed those precious babies' lives. I look back on the day that we were both in the delivery room watching Alyssa see the world for the first time. You, Daniel, are responsible for taking the beautiful life who gave you those precious children by committing this horrible act. You also stole the the whole sense of security from those three miracles that she gave you, and now their world has shattered into a life of loss, anger, fear, and confusion. She will never experience the joy of her first dances, homecomings, graduations, weddings, and other life experiences. Even more importantly, Dylan, Emily, and Alyssa will never be able to have their mother, their sweet loving mother, there to help pick out suits, gowns, and cheer them on in life because of your selfish, evil actions. Alicia was one of the rare people who loved unconditionally and never let anyone know the terror that she experienced in her daily life. This killed me inside, knowing that she had to cover up the abuse every time I asked her if everything okay was okay or if she was happy. You were supposed to be the one to protect her and keep her safe. When she met you, she had never even kissed a boy, but you were the one that took her innocence. You human, you human trafficked her. You broke her tiny frame 
and made her too scared to let anyone know what she was going through because you threatened to kill her family. And that, Daniel, is something that you should think about and pay for for the rest of your life. You don't have the right to steal a mother, a daughter, a sister, and a very dear friend to so many who love her from us. <clears throat> you deserve to have that freedom taken to you from you because you took those blessings from her and the ones who love her so dearly by taking my beautiful Alicia's life. In a strange way, I am relieved that she's no longer here. I constantly prayed and asked God why. Why did you take my precious Alicia? And then one day in my private time, God spoke to me and let me know. Leslie, I loved your baby too much to see her go through this terror and torture of a life that you, Daniel, put her through. So I called her home in order for me to love her, protect her, and care for her in the way she truly deserves. No, it's not what God's will was for her life to be taken in such a violent manner. But I believe in my heart and every fiber of my being, being that you were hurting my Heavenly Father too much to allow him to allow this ter- terror to continue for one second. Alicia wasn't just my daughter. She was my best friend, and we were closer than anyone will ever know. Up until the night that you brutalized and murdered my precious baby for the final time, she would crawl up into my lap, put her arms around my neck, and lay her head on my shoulder as she softly told me how much she loves me and was thankful that I was her mama. She also told me how thankful she was that her bonus dad, Darren, was in her life because he brought her so much comfort, wisdom, and love. I look forward to the day that when God calls me home so that I may hold my precious angel again. And this is when I read Alicia's voice, her poem that she wrote to me, and I don't have it with me. And then I continue to say, Daniel, you don't deserve to have any kind of position in your children's lives. I would never want them to become the monster that you've been to them. I pray each and every day that you think about what you've done and that God holds you and anyone else who is allowed to be accountable for her sex trafficking completely responsible. You deserve to live the rest of your days behind bars and far away from anyone that you could ever hurt again, both physically and emotionally. I will forever be Alicia's voice. It's time that the families of these beautiful victims that have fallen prey to cowards like you will join together and break the silence against domestic violence, sex trafficking, and illegal handgun violence. That was so beautiful. I think it shows a lot of um, healing. And what what are your thoughts? I think it shows a lot of forgiveness and healing and and honesty. Well, it took me six months to write that, and took a lot of prayer because you know your first your first thought is anger, but you know bitterness and anger doesn't do anything but fester and. If there are any mothers out there who have lost their children the same way or in any other violent crime, I'd like to encourage you to to, to try to forgive and move on 
because it's not going to do anything but destroy you. And you can't be of use to other people if you are harboring bitterness in your life. That's not what God intends us to do. And and the Alicia's Voice Foundation is out there to help other families of these fallen victims. And and that's that's what my goal is for the rest of my life is is to reach out and be a light in the darkness of domestic violence and of sex trafficking. And and I'm going to tell you I am a firm believer of our Second Amendment, but I do not do not agree with some of our laws that there so many felons are able to get a hold of these guns illegally. And yes. I think that there need to be some changes in in our laws as far as they're too light. I don't think anybody that lives in a home of a convicted felon should be able to own a handgun because the guns that were the gun that murdered Alicia was in her own name. Yeah. And and she should not, as much as I love my daughter, she should not have been allowed to purchase a handgun because by her purchasing that gun, that's how her murder was committed. Yeah. Well, I personally think that more laws should be more strict on um, abusers. Um, I agree. Letting them go and just slapping them on the wrist a few times. Uh, they wouldn't abuse if the penalty was strong enough. I agree. I think there needs to be a stiffer penalty. I I think that if somebody strikes a woman or a victim and it is proven to be domestic violence, I think they should receive a felony first first off. Yeah. I mean, you you get a felony for beating a dog nowadays. And the laws have been passed to where if a, a neighbor sees you kick a dog, you get a felony. Yeah. Where are the well, laws for the victims of domestic violence? You get a misdemeanor if you get caught kicking your your spouse or your girlfriend or your boyfriend. There are stiffer yeah. laws for animals than they are humans. I agree. Especially, yes, I, I agree with that. Hey, girlfriend, I got to get to my other ho- um, my other person that's on tonight. Lisa. Well, thank you so, so much. Um, I'll, I'll continue to listen to Lisa, and I look forward to, to hearing what she has to say. Okay, excellent. She's amazing. She's um, a really good friend, and she's absolutely amazing. And um, so definitely uh, continue listening in. Okay, sweetie? Okay, and I look forward to being at your conference June 1st and 2nd. Yes, I want to. Thanks for bringing that up. We are having a domestic violence conference in St. Joe. Actually, it's in Ivins, Utah, at Tuacon on June 1st and 2nd of 2018. So, in a bit, little more than a, a month. And we have several speakers, and you're one of them. So, that's going to be great. Yes. Thank you, you very take much. Care and I will continue to listen. All right. Thank you so much, Leslie. Right. I so appreciate you coming on tonight. Thank you. Bye bye. Uh-huh. Okay. okay, before I introduce Lisa, or I've already introduced her, I guess, um, I just wanted to share a few things. Um, my show can also be heard on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play if you subscribe to those services. 
If you want links, you can go straight to cwrtalknetworks.com website and click on the logo for those services as well. If you want to call in tonight and speak to Lisa, the number is 917-889-8078. And let's welcome Lisa to the show. Hi, Lisa. Hi, Shireen. How are you? Great. How are you? Good. I'm doing great. Thank you. Thanks for this opportunity. I appreciate it. Hey, thanks for doing it for us. So you're going to talk to us tonight on what impact does domestic abuse have on individuals with mental health. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. So there are four... Go ahead. Yeah, as a as a mental health professional, there's uh, definitely um, effects of domestic violence on your mental health, and I think it's important for people to be aware of what really, you know, it, the type of impact that it that it has on an individual and and trauma involved. Yes, and so um, what are the four common areas that affect mental health? Okay, so what I see as a as a therapist working with individuals who who suffer after the effects, um, PTSD is number one. So, you know, if you're unfamiliar with with what that stands for, it's post traumatic stress disorder. And this is a psychiatric disorder that can occur following experience or witnessing a life threatening event. Um, so I see a lot of that anxiety disorders such as uh, panic disorder, OCD, generalized anxiety disorder. That's another one that's almost always common. Um, depression is the third one, especially if a victim has experienced all forms of abuse, physical, sexual, emotional, and psychological, and they're more likely to have depression. And number four is... Um, Women exposed to intimate partner violence are six times more likely to develop substance abuse. So, you know, that's, I mean, this is what happens when you, you know, when you're exposed to uh, domestic violence of of any type. Um, you know, and you don't, you don't have to have all four. Um, all four happen to you where you've got, you know, physical, sexual, emotional, and psychological to be depressed. But we're just saying, you know, statistics are that you're more likely to to have more severe depression if you've experienced all of those because you're going to have more trauma in your life that you're dealing with. So, um, yeah, these are are typical. This is a typical outcome of, of what I see when I have an individual come in after after being exposed or experiencing domestic violence. And, and so many people don't even um, know or recognize that they're in a relationship or have um, have someone in their life that has, has abused them. So, right. you know, self-awareness is important. Education right. is important. Right. And and I will say, you know, I'm doing research on this for my dissertation, and just alone with the psychological abuse, the research shows that um, PTSD, anxiety, and depression, um, those three 
will um, totally come to fruition just with the psychological abuse caused by uh, an abuser. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, how does someone heal from the trauma of abuse? Well, you know, it's <laughs> it's a process. Um, and everybody comes in with different problems. So, like, I've specialized in, in addiction and working in a treatment center where where you are helping people work through their addiction, other things come up. And I would say 80 to 90% of the clients that are dealing with with addiction have severe trauma in their life. And that trauma, uh, more often than not, is is a result of some type of abuse. So it's that's a tricky one to answer because it's a process and everybody um, that comes in is going to have something different going on. So like I mentioned with the trauma, um, if that, if that is the most prevalent thing that's going on that's happening, like they're just not functioning because of the trauma of abuse, um, they really need to work with a professional who's trained in treating individuals with severe trauma because there are, different types of um, oh treatments that you can that you can use to help people uh, work through trauma but you have to you have to be specialized in these areas to be able to do that um so finding somebody who does specialize um you know EMDR is one that a lot of people utilize because it it helps with just reprocessing memories um but there's a there's a number of different types of treatments for trauma. So that would be number one, definitely, is to find somebody who's trained in treating severe trauma. Um, the next one would be working on negative cognition. So what that means is, you know, you're <laughs> whenever you have anxiety and depression. Um, you've got negative cognition, so your thoughts are negative. Um, you're in a negative spiral way of thinking, and learning how to change your thoughts and your way of thinking is super important. Um, yes. The next one is yes. oh yeah, go ahead. No, I was just going to say yeah. We I think we've talked about that a few times. Um, and didn't you indicate um, the synapses have to be uh, rerouted? Yeah, you have to, I mean, your brain gets in a bad habit of thinking a certain way. And especially if you are a victim of abuse and you've got trauma, um, you live in so much fear all the time that your thoughts are constantly negative. Um, and so learning to how to change that way of thinking to something more positive is you're, rel- you're relinquishing some control there. And there's a certain amount of, I don't know, it's going to sound a little different, but when you're holding on to that negative way of thinking, it feels safe in a certain way. Because if you're always looking over your shoulder and making sure that you're safe because you've got these negative thoughts constantly going on, well, that's no way to live. But it may be the only way that you know how to live because that's what you've been doing for, you know, X amount of time. But 
right. you know, being able to relinquish some of that control so that you can start thinking more positively and actually freeing yourself um, of all that negativity is is part of healing, um, which in turn is where... Oh, go ahead. Okay, I was just going to say, and that's what I did. I used positive affirmations was one of the things I had to use to avoid the negative cognition. Yeah, absolutely. So anything, anything, you have to overload yourself with positive. So that would be positive people in your life, um, mm-hmm. learning learning who you're going to allow to be in your life and who you're no longer going to allow to be in your life. Um, right. Setting setting very firm boundaries, you know, learning how to do all that is going to be very new, but important while you're working through this process. And yeah, affirmations, daily affirmations, mm-hmm. um, and you, and and what's really difficult for individuals when they're going through this process is trying to come up with something great about them, you know. So when I ask a client, "Can you tell me five things about you that are great?" a lot of times they just can't come up with anything because they've been told for so long how awful they are. And um, so so just coming up with a few simple things about you that's great is the start, the beginning of learning how to change your thoughts from, from negative to positive. Um, and that's why I say it's a process because, Healing and recovery does not happen overnight. This is it, it took years to get where you are as far as um you know, the damage that has been done, but it's gonna take it's gonna take some time to to change. And um but practice with practice and with effort anybody can change. I truly believe right. that. I do too. Uh, as long as they recognize they've got, they need to change and desire to change, then I think anyone can change. What are your thoughts? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. They have to have a desire, number one, because um, with the desire um, comes work. You don't have a desire, mm-hmm. you're not going to work. And you have to be willing to put forth effort and and to really want it bad enough um, to do whatever it's going to take to change and to be to to have what you really want is going to take work. Um, you know, it's like that saying: doing the wrong thing is easy, but doing the right thing isn't. Um, but it's worthwhile, and it's it'll change your life. So, so that's number one is, yeah, definitely having a desire to be able to, to want to change and to have something better. So, um, you know, having long-term and short-term goals, that's really important when you go to therapy um, to talk about what you see, what you want, and then your therapist can help you devise a plan to get there. Create a plan, yeah. a journey, so that you can achieve what you want to achieve. Um, and and the the therapist will be able to help you help navigate through that process um when you're when you're the client you don't see what needs to happen or change but a therapist is trained and they can see um you know take your history 
go over um, your past, everything. I mean, this is an important time for you to be really transparent. Um, yeah. There's nothing to be embarrassed about or shameful for or anything. This is a time when you want to disclose as much as possible if you want to get the help that you need and yeah. have the life that you deserve to have. So definitely, I mean, healing is a it's a process and it takes time. Um, but it's not just time, it's what you do in that space of time. And that's why, you know, I created kind of a list here of different areas that, you know, likely that your therapist will work with you on, um, which is, yeah, finding somebody, number one, to help you with the trauma that's trained. Number two, when you change those negative thoughts to positive thoughts. Um, and a negative thought can be something that's as simple as, I can't do it. Um, and as soon as you catch yourself saying, I can't do it, change that thought right away or change that talk right away to, I can try. Um, and it's just by those little simple things that's gonna that's gonna make a world of difference in your outlook and your and your perception. Um, so those are they're simple, uh, but they're not easy. <laughs> Put it that way. Change is, is not easy. So and then working on your self esteem. I mean, obviously your self esteem is battered, you know, when you come into treatment, um a lot of times there's if you just have not any enough. self-esteem at all. Yeah, if you have any <laughs> self-esteem at all. Exactly. Right. It, it's it pretty battered. how quick these guys can take those um, completely away. It just, it just shocked me, totally shocked me. Right. It's almost like, okay, what do you have that I can take from you? Okay. I'm ready. You know, yeah, yeah, they rub their hands together and go, let's get started. (laughs) First, I'm going to lie to you. And (laughs) I consider myself having a pretty healthy self image and then, um, or self esteem. And then, uh, less than a year, I'd say six months, and it was totally gone with, with that guy. I was just in shock. I'm like, what has he done to me in such a short period of time and how is that even possible and uh mm-hmm. yeah, they're well trained very well trained <laughs> that's all i have to say yeah yeah absolutely i mean they, they've been practicing their whole life um if you think about it i don't know how many people realize this but by the time you're 18 your character who you are is who you are right and so it either gets better or it gets worse from there depending um you know by the time you're 18 years old are you somebody who's who lies all the time or are you someone who really and truly tries to be honest and have integrity um after that it's like i said it either goes uphill or downhill from there and that doesn't mean people can't change i i even believe abusers can change but they have first of all have to recognize that they are an abuser and second of all have the desire to want to change and i don't think that happens very often um, to be honest. Right. But, so. And, you know, I tend to agree with you only because of the personality um, disorders that they have kind of lends itself to not recognizing that they have a problem. But one thing that you also brought up was um, our, uh, we talked about before, was boundaries. 
and the importance mm-hmm. of having boundaries. You want to expand on that, Chad? Yeah, absolutely. So, so number one is, you know, how do you how do you create boundaries, or how do you even know how to create boundaries? Well, if you back up one step before boundaries, it starts with values to know what your values are. Um, and values are basically anything that you um, that you admire in yourself or in someone else. Um, so if you feel like I don't have any values, think about some people that you really look up to and that you admire. Um, why is that? Why do you admire them? Because they're an honest person, because they're hardworking, um, because they have integrity, um, because they care about other people, um, you know, just whatever it is, you make that list of values that that are important to you and that you that that are things that you want in your own life. And maybe um some of them you already have and some of them you don't. It doesn't matter. You right. list both. You list both of them. And once you come up with that list of values of what's important to you, then you know exactly what kind of boundaries you need to set. So, for example, if one of your values is honesty, so you value people that are honest, um, and it's important for you to be honest with other people. So if you have someone in your life who lies to you or has lied to you, and you don't like that and you don't want that, you can give them the option of a... You know, if you're going to be in my life, you need to stop lying. And if you continue to lie, then you're not, you don't have the privilege of being a part of my life. And that's the way it needs to be because I have values and I'm very particular about who I invite into my life. And so that's called setting a boundary. And then you have to follow through. And that sometimes is, is the hardest thing because... If it is somebody who tells, who doesn't normally tell the truth, and you catch them in a lie, and you say, "Hey, you just lied to me," and I told you from the very beginning that if you lied, we weren't going to, you weren't going to be able to be in my life. I just can't have that in my life. And now, what are we going to do? Because you just lied. Um, that means so long. <laughs> You have to let that person go. And so right. that's that's an important thing to think about when you're setting boundaries with people is to be willing to let go of some people in your life. But know that that's for your own good, you know. That's for the betterment of your future and for you to be happy and to have self-respect and to have other people well, respect I love you it. and you respect others. Yeah, a lot of things um, about boundaries, though, also is, or such as the one that you described, is the reason why you can't have someone in your life that lies to you is because of, uh, like what Leslie was talking about, um, gaslighting is just one lie after another. And you're just Mm kind of done trying to figure out who's telling the truth and who's being honest with you and who's, you know, a good person. Why do we need people that lie to us? I mean, it's not even... I wouldn't want to have them. Mm-hmm. You can't trust them. It makes you feel insecure. Um, you know, and without trust and security in your life, yeah, what what purpose 
how do they add to your life? They take from your life. And right. our our world is full of takers. We need more givers. And and so that's that's an easy way to process process of elimination. It's an easy elimination in my opinion. Just you right. know what, you're taking from my life, you're not adding to my life. And so I need to let you go. And um right. having boundaries in your life and actually implementing them and following through with those boundaries is very empowering and it makes you feel good and it's not easy to do in the beginning but once you do it it becomes easier um yeah in fact in fact you know one thing i can tell you is that for me personally in my own personal life when someone crosses a boundary and i don't like confrontation just like anybody else but what's worse yeah. than not confronting a person to me is allowing them to get away with something and then being upset with myself because I feel like I just got walked all over or taken advantage of. Right. And I would right. much rather confront somebody and call somebody out on something or lose them out of out of my life than to be in a position where I'm angry at myself because I just let somebody treat me in a way that I don't deserve to be treated. And that's how you teach people how to treat you. You have to have boundaries in your life. Because unfortunately, we don't live in a perfect world where um, where people are respectful. <laughs> right. And, well, and one of the boundaries I chose... Go ahead. No, that's it. Go ahead. Well, I was just saying, one of the boundaries I chose is um, on my Facebook, I blocked everyone that knew him or had anything to do with him because he had always stalked my Facebook. And um, mm-hmm. not only does an abuser abuse you, but their friends will abuse you or they will get other people to abuse you as well. Absolutely. Yeah, they've got, uh, you know, birds of a feather flock together. So they've got, they've got their their little band there of, of people that support them, you know. Right. Sick people. So, yeah, yeah, you an ailment as well, right? Mhm. Yeah, it is. They're abusing you too, just yeah. um, in a different way. So, yeah, I've heard two names for that. I've heard um, flying monkeys for those that um, uh, uh, abuse for an abuser, and also abuse by proxy. Both I like. <laughs> I have to say both names mm-hmm. I like, but. Hey, you know, if we could back up a little bit on the, when I was talking about the four common areas that affect mental health, there's some other mental health issues that are also affected by trauma abuse. And um, I mentioned low self-esteem, obviously, but also people can have hallucinations. Um, They can have disassociations or detached from reality. They can have... Um, eating disorders, anorexia, bulimia, binging, purging, um, and suicidal behavior is in 35 to 40%, where at least um, out of that 35 to 40%, they'll they'll make one suicide attempt. And so, well, and I mean, numerous when problems. You think that almost, wouldn't you think that almost all abuse victims have suicidal ideation, uh, whether they make the attempt or not, mm-hmm. that 
Yeah. What percentage would you say that was? I would say it's probably like 95. <laughs> Just because we want the yeah. behavior to stop, and what else? What other way is there gonna that it's gonna stop? Yeah, they may not actually have a plan or whatever really truly do anything, but the thought of, gosh, I think it, it would just be easier if I wasn't here, you know, or if I didn't have to deal with all this. So definitely yeah, I would say majority. majority. If, if I took my life or he, he got through. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Or if I just wasn't here and, you know, and or even just the thought of having to go through recovery and, going to entail you know I think that that can bring somebody down too to a point where they feel like why try this is just I'm so damaged at this point how can I ever recover you know just that feeling of hopelessness um right so definitely uh, suicide ideation and they're adding to that hopelessness uh through uh every means they can yeah oh yeah definitely so, um, yeah, so there's there's some things right there. And, you know, yeah, healing, if we go back to the healing of, of trauma, of abuse, there's a, yeah, it's super important that people um, have values, define what their values are, um, and establish boundaries in their life and follow through with those boundaries. And what that's going to do is teach you how to be assertive and, what we don't want to be is passive aggressive and we don't want to be aggressive. We want to be assertive and being assertive is really just saying what you want to say, um, but doing it in a nice way. Um, and it's a great quality and, actually. Uh huh. Instead of feeling like I'm not worthy of requesting or asking for what I want in this life. You absolutely are. You just do it in a nice way and not, do not worry about how somebody else responds to it. That's on them. Um, right. Client last night that was that is a victim of uh, of domestic violence and very caught up in um, just struggling with being able to establish boundaries in her life because every time she tries, um, the person she she tries to establish a boundary with you know, <laughs> the way that they respond is so manipulative um, that it puts her right back in that guilt and shame place that she's so des- desperately trying to escape from. And then she's there again going, oh, no, I can't do this because it makes them feel this way, and now I feel horrible. And so we're, you know, we're not responsible for how other people respond to our boundaries. That's on them. You're not doing anything right. wrong by by being nice, but saying what you need and what you want in your life. Um, right. But, you know, being able to absorb that and get used to that whole idea takes time. And at first, you're just going to be uncomfortable. And you, and you may feel like, oh, I just can't do this, you know, because other people don't like it. Of course, they don't like it. <laughs> they don't want you to change. Because right. how you are right now works great for them, but it's not working for you. And right. I'm sorry, but isn't life about creating your own happiness? So 
this is what this is part of the process. This is what we need to do to to do that, to accomplish that. Yeah. Yeah, definitely getting rid of that garbage out of our lives. Um mm-hmm. what kind of books do you think would be good for for that? Um for creating boundaries in your life? Well, I mean, definitely yeah, well, I have a called boundaries, but any of authors that you think is really good? Um, there's a book out there called Where to Draw the Line um, that I think is excellent. Um, you know, as far as this boundaries, you know, okay, what what goes hand in hand with this is also codependency. So learning how not to be codependent, and there's Codependent No More is an excellent book, but um, anything along those lines is going to help you to learn to detach and learn that how to develop boundaries. Um, because, you know, when you're a victim of domestic violence and abuse, you've got codependency big time and which codependency, my basic definition of that is doing something for someone else that they can do for themselves. And that can be anything from, uh, I don't know, getting up and getting your own drink out of the fridge to, um, you're not responsible for somebody else's happiness. So learning how to detach yourself from other people um, to a certain extent in a healthy way is important. That doesn't mean that we don't, we don't want and we don't need attachments. Um, That's just a human desire that we have is to, is to be connected to other people, but you want to be in a healthy way. Um, so having healthy boundaries and learning how to break the the cycle of codependency is super important so that you can you can do that and not feel guilty about it right so um right. let's see there's some what other, are some other resources um finding support groups is really important so um, you know, Google, gosh, that's a great resource. We can Google, we can Google support groups. I've, I've done it that way, but also contacting your therapist or treatment centers or, um, clergy, you know, anybody, anybody really just ask, ask around, um, as far as finding support groups, seminars to empower and educate you, just like the, the seminar that uh, SAVE is having in, on June 1st and 2nd, you know, anything like that. Um, going to therapy, finding a good therapist that you feel comfortable with um, that specializes in domestic violence and abuse. So all these things are great resources and helpful. Um, and I know when I do therapy, I always have my, I give my clients assignments and I always refer books to them and have them, um, read because it's it's a great way for information to really sink into your brain. You see it, you read it, you absorb it, and you can go back to it. You can highlight it. Um, you can read it and write it, and that really sinks in. But um, Or you can highlight it and then bring it into therapy and talk about it and process yeah. it. And so, yeah, you know what I liked about support groups was um, 
the one I used was called um, Abuse Recovery Ministry Services. It's more of a religious type one, but um, what they, what I felt was companionship. Uh, they felt the same things I felt. They, I thought I was alone in, in feeling what I, I, I thought. Oh, I am crazy, and um, I'm alone in this. I'm the only one who feels like this, and so forth. And you're not. You're not. Everybody feels the same. And it was great. I'm like, yay! Everybody, everybody feels the same <laughs> way I do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right, and that's what's great about support groups is that you have other people there that that have been where you've been and have had similar experiences, and so um, you have that. You feel supported and you feel validated, and um, yeah, it's it's mm-hmm. awesome, and it and it also helps you just to open up and talk about what's happened and feel like you're in a safe place to do that because you're because you're not alone and other people are sharing their experiences as well and then you can talk about and support one another and encourage one another and um offer you know advice or wisdom or you know other things that that you've gained um through your own personal resources and share that with other people and vice versa so support groups are awesome I'm all for right. them and you brought up um, the conference in June, and uh, let me give the the listeners uh, an address for that. DVAConference.com is where you can register for that if you want to. And I know that it's uh, free to everyone who wants to attend. So go there and try it out. It's going to be for victims as well as those who work with victims as well as those who are just interested in learning more about domestic violence. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. I'm excited. Yeah. So, um, okay, you know, question. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Um. Oh, I was going to say, you know, one other thing when you're uh, when you're healing from trauma that I I didn't want to miss is that one of the worst things you can do is to get into another relationship, and that's probably what you want to do. Um, because you're feeling alone and and we tend to do what feels comfortable for us even if it's dysfunctional um even if it's it's harmful, we just can get into a cycle of bad habits um and not even know that it's a bad habit, but going, okay, well, this guy didn't treat me well, so i'm just I just need to find someone else who will um and not a good idea for two reasons. First of all, we tend to be attracted to the same type of people without recognizing it. And so your likelihood of getting into yet another abusive relationship is extremely high. Um, number yeah. two, if you happen to be lucky, get lucky, and meet somebody who isn't abusive, which would be amazing, you're still pretty messed up. And you're not in a place where you're really available. And in, in a healthy right. relationship, we need to be healthy so that so that we we can give. We have something to give, and you don't have anything to give at this point. I mean, you've had so much taken from you that there's nothing left, and you really need this time to yourself, um, right? To to take care of you and to get yourself in a healthy place so you're available for somebody who's healthy. Right. So that. That's one thing I just wanted to 
to make sure I didn't miss during the healing process. And I appreciate that. I think that's um, perfect because um, I actually did that. <laughs> and now I'm sitting mm-hmm. back and I'm saying, no, I'm I'm working on my healing. I'm, I, I'm not sure when that will be over or what, but I am looking more into uh, not dating narcissists and <laughs> sociopaths. <laughs> Yes, the what not we know what not to do, but sometimes we don't know how not to do it. You know, um, so right, you don't know what you don't know. <laughs> so it's uh, and you you know I can tell you one thing about um, falling into patterns of being attracted to the same type of people. And you think, okay, this person, this next person is so different than the other one. They can't possibly be anything alike. Is that you really have to, first of all, know what's wrong with the people that you're attracted to. And also, um, why is it that you're attracted to them? What is it about you that makes you attracted to these people? And so once you figure that out, you can learn how not to be attracted to them. So, for example, like, um, <laughs> let's say, uh, let's say you're attracted to a guy because he seems really mysterious, you know, and you find that really intriguing, um, and it's kind of exciting because he's he's he doesn't really expose himself, yeah. and but yet he wants to know a lot about you, but you don't really know that much about him because he's such a mystery and. Ooh, that's so exciting and such a, you know, such a, I don't know, just something that just really grabs you. Well, um, yeah. when you when you do some digging into that, you learn that, okay, you know what, there's reasons why he is so mysterious. It's because he has something to hide, um, his, his abusive behavior, right? Um, some things about him that aren't so attractive, like... Wow, uh, maybe he has a bad temper. Um, maybe he doesn't talk about himself because he's got some demons in his closet, or maybe he doesn't have really good long-term uh, long-term history of relationships, or maybe his family is uh, his family relationships aren't good. I mean, there could be a whole host of reasons why you don't know much about him. And so, hopefully, going forward, when you know that, you can go, "Ooh, red flag." You know, um, this yeah. guy seems really mis- mysterious, and to me, that means run because he's got something to hide, and I don't know what it is, and I don't care. I just know I need to get away from him. Um, yeah, let me share um, one thing that I found in my last relationship was he uh, had all the right answers. He had a lot in common with me, and... um and every time I had a question, he didn't. He wasn't mysterious at all. Very self-assured and everything. But there was something that was not right in, that in my head felt just not right, or in my gut, I guess I should say, it was in my gut. Something just didn't seem right. So I'd ask all these questions. He had always mm-hmm. had the right answer, um, but yet the truth was none of it was the truth. It was all a lie. Everything he would say was a lie. He just knew what to say. But mm-hmm. I should have went with my gut is what I should have done. And if something doesn't seem right, there's something wrong. Exactly. And women's instincts are 99% right on. Um, I believe that that's the God-given gift 
um, that God felt like, you know, we need some protection because we're, we're just innately nurturing and loving mm-hmm. and caring and we're easily deceived. Um, and so I believe that he gave us those instincts to help protect us, but, but it is up to us to pay attention to those instincts and not just pay attention to them, but take them to heart and, and really don't, you know, whatever you feel, go with it. If you have a bad right. feeling, that means something. There's something off right. and there's something not right. Um, if you want to see what that's about, okay, but be very reserved and don't jump in with two feet, but kind of be a little standoffish and investigate, see what that means. Um, and if you if you approach a relationship or a person with that in mind, um, you're going to be a little bit more on your guard. Um, it doesn't mean that everyone you meet you can't trust or whatever. What it means is that you're learning to trust yourself and to trust your instincts. And your instincts yeah. have already told you. They've it's already told you something. And now, yeah. you know, if you feel like you need to investigate more, fine. But if that's enough for you, great. Walk away. So, but, uh, um, yeah. my my recommendation is is exactly what you said. Go with your instincts, not with, oh, they have all the right answers. And, oh, it's just in my head. I'm just feeling anxiety because um, of this great relationship or whatever. And you want to mm-hmm. make up an excuse. It's it's there for a reason. Yeah, and and women are notorious for giving second chances, giving people yeah. the benefit of the <laughs> doubt, making yep. excuses for others. Um, yep. Oh, he didn't mean it like that, or um, he meant well, or his heart's in the right place, or he's a good person, he just struggles with this, or... You know, it's just, no, don't do that. Don't do it. Right. You don't need to make excuses for someone else, all right? It is what it is. Right. If you meet somebody and they have a temper, whoa, this guy's got a temper, and that scares me, period. Right. I don't care why he has a temper. I don't care if he had a bad day, he's tired, uh, he grew up with a parent who who was impatient. There's no excuse. Um, Right. So... You just, it is what it is. You have the information. It's right there. Now it's up to you to either continue to be with this person or walk away. Um, right. I would I would encourage anyone to walk away from that situation. Um, maybe let let the person know that, that hey, you know, if you're, uh, if you decide to work on this issue that you have and, and get some help and you're really, trying to change and uh and all that great um you know maybe reach out to me in six months but (laughs) until then i would uh immediately walk away i'm uh learning that uh, like you said you have to learn you know all sorts of things about your healing and about what to look for and why not to get into a relationship right away and what to look for in a new relationship because you're used to that type of the in the old relationships and you'll just get back into an abusive relationship. So, yes, that is one thing I'm working mm-hmm. on right there is listening to my gut. Mhm. Absolutely. 
And it's, you know, it's, I think it's a, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, I just think it's a, you know, it's a process. It's not something that you master right away. And sometimes it's, um, you know, two steps forward, one step back. And you go, oh, gosh, I, mm-hmm. you know, I fell into it again. And and yeah. then you just pick up the pieces and you go, and, and you go, okay, my bad. Now I'm going to, um, I'm just going to walk away now. Uh, I already time on this and, and I wish I hadn't, but I'm learning. I'm learning. I'm, I'm going to get right, there eventually. Right. So let me ask you this. Uh, when you're counseling an individual who has been a victim of domestic abuse, where do you usually start in the healing process? Yeah, knowing where to, where to start is really individual. Um depends on the apparent priority. So if somebody comes in and, and they have an eating disorder and they are skin and bones and um, this is, you know, life-threatening, we're going to start with that. Um, If they come in and they've got, oh, phobias, let's say they're not even functioning. They're not barely leaving the house. It took them two hours just to get to to your office for their appointment um, because they, you know, they can't walk to their car. They can't get an elevator, all those. We're going to start with the phobias. Um, So it's wherever you are is where we're going to start, whatever whatever the the priority is. So that's just right. just depends. Just depends on detrimental to their health at the time. Yeah, whatever is most detrimental. Mhm. Absolutely. Um, okay, my next question is how do you know when you're stuck in the cycle of shame? Oh, shame is a huge one. Um we all suffer from shame, you know, but especially when you're when you've been a victim of domestic violence. So first of all, let's define what shame is. Um shame is a pay, painful feeling that we are unworthy of love and belonging. Um you know, I am a bad person because okay, nobody's really a bad person because we make bad choices. Um but that doesn't make us a right. bad person. Um, right. And it's okay to have some guilt in your life. You don't want to be ridden with guilt. But when we do something that we know is not the best decision, it's good to feel a little guilt. That's what keeps us from repeating that decision. So that's okay. But shame, when you're stuck in that. So that's my definition of shame. Um, The secrets that create shame damage your life okay so there's three things that feed shame and that's secrecy silence and judgment and those things shape the way that you think so when you are stuck in secrecy obviously you're not sharing you're not talking to anybody about what's going on in your life Um, right domestic violence in particular since that's what we're talking about so who wants to tell anyone, person that they love more than anything else, is hurting them? Um, there's a lot of shame that comes with that secret, isn't there? Well, and it might not be physical pain. Um, I didn't share any of the um, the psychological abuse that I was enduring. And the reason why is because I did not want anyone to feel bad about my husband. I, You know, I loved him, and I wanted everyone to think, hey, he's a great guy. Not, not the person he truly was, but I, I wanted to create an image for him 
and he created an image for me to his friends. And mine, my image that I created for my spouse was that he was awesome, he was great, he was magnificent, and the image he created for me to his friends is she's a crazy witch, you know. Mhm. Yeah, right. And who's going to believe you because what they see is something completely different. So, right. um keeping that secret and secret and silence go they go hand in hand, but just not talking about it. Who do I talk to? Who can I tell about this secret that I have? It's so shaming. And Right. Um, I don't, you know, I don't want people to think less of this person that I love so much. And what will they think of me if I'm saying this? Because they're probably not going to believe it, you know. And right. so there's, it's just like this cycle that you get stuck in. And then the judgment that comes from that too is, you know, are people going to judge me? Are they going to, what are they going to think of me for, for being with him when he's treating me this way? Or or are they going to think he's wonderful and I'm the problem, you know? So where's that right. judgment going to be coming from? Um, so all of that can really can really take over and change the way that you think. Um, one thing that comes, too, from shame is perfectionism. So, yes. you know, the common thought is I have to look perfect, work perfect, be perfect, live perfect, and and that's just not possible. It's not possible to be perfect at, at all times. Um, that perfectionism protects us from being seen by others as our authentic self. So being able to just be genuine and be yourself. Um, but, you know, when you're in an abusive relationship and you're told that you're no good and that you're not perfect enough and that you're not good enough and that's been pounded into your head over and over and over again um, and you're trying so hard to do everything better and to be better and, and to look better and to make everything just so, so that this the person that you love so much will accept you and love you, um, you develop this unrealistic idea of, how you're supposed to be um, right. instead of being the beautiful and perfect person that, that we all are <laughs> right? and learning to embrace right. that, you know? Um, Don't you think a lot of that comes from them constantly ridiculing us is why we feel that we need to be perfect at everything. Cause you know, your clothes aren't good enough. Your hair is not good enough. Your weight's not good enough. Your makeup's not good enough. You know, mm-hmm. nothing you do yeah, is good enough. Yeah, constant criticism and put-downs, and no matter how hard you try, it's never good enough, and just feeling like you constantly have to try harder and harder and harder um, to please this person that you're never going to please. Right, Um, never. But you think, yeah, but you don't know that. You keep thinking, oh, I just need to try harder um, because that's what he's telling you. You've been brainwashed to think something different. That it's you. Right. It's not. It's not him. It's you. And if you could just uh, look better and um, be more perfect, then he'll be happy and you'll be happy. But it doesn't work. Um, so of course, with that shame comes again low self worth. I'm not good enough. Um, and 
followed by that is the fear, fear and vulnerability. Um, there's fear in being vulnerable. Um, fear, you know, vulnerable is not just about fear, grief, and disappointment. It's also about joy, creativity, love, and safety. Um, but you can't have creativity without failure. You have to be open enough to take a risk and fail. So being able to learn how to overcome your shame, like I said, is a process. This is all a process, but it's very important to be vulnerable. But the last thing that you want to be coming out of a coming out of a domestic uh, violent relationship is vulnerable. You've been vulnerable. Um, and look where it got you, right? So being being vulnerable also means learning how to trust again. And um, it's not going to happen overnight. Right. It's going to take, it's going to take a lot of time. Um, And, but like I said, you know, that trust comes back to not, well, I don't know who to trust if I can trust this person or that person or you know, they feel so lost. Um, but the person that you need to learn to trust, first and foremost, is yourself. So if you learn to trust yourself, there will be no question about who you can and cannot trust in your life. Um, right. And so that's the important thing to understand. Right. You know what, Lisa? Um, our time is uh, waning here, so I want to thank you for your time tonight. And I had a few more questions for you, but maybe I can have you on another time, and we can finish that up. Sounds good. Sounds good. Thank you, Shireen. Okay, thank Appreciate you, Shireen. the time. You bet. Yes. I have a good night. Bye. Bye-bye. I want to thank everyone for joining us tonight. Um, just a reminder, there is a two-day domestic violence conference in Southern Utah, which will be at no cost for those who would like to attend on June 1st and 2nd. To register, just check out the website at dvaconference.com. I want to tell you about our next guest. Our next guest next uh, in two weeks will be Lupi Moreno, and she's going to be talking about her new book, Unmasking the Silent Killer, The Many Faces of Abuse. I bet you think she's not been doing a whole lot, but she's been writing. She's a strong writer, and she's very good. So I want to thank you for joining us tonight, and have a great night. You're listening to the CWR Talk Network, America's voice for causes, issues, and life empowerment. This is the CWR Talk Network, hashtag one million strong. birthday party today? Me again, Mom. Where did I put my history book? Hi. Sorry, forgot one last thing. Sometimes it's hard to concentrate. At school, I start looking out the window, and then I forget what I was supposed to be thinking about. I know it seems like I don't care, but I do. It's just difficult for me. Love you, Mom. Bye. Join parents and experts at understood.org, a free online resource about learning and attention issues to help your child thrive. Brought to you by understood.org and the Ad Council.
someone being bullied online, you can be a witness and make a difference by letting the world know it isn't cool and by letting your friend know you care. Learn more at eyewitnessbullying.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, only by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.